Hi there, Dr. B here with your Module 7 Clarifying Lecture. This will be the last clarifying lecture of 622, and that's because most people are moving on by Module 8, so I don't typically do one for that. So um, this is the last time you have to listen to a clarifying lecture, at least for this term. A reminder that everything must be done by Monday at midnight. Okay, so you must turn everything in by Monday at midnight. And unless I've talked to you, I can't accept anything after that time um, because I need to get grades in. So everything has to be in by Monday at midnight. If you got a one on an assignment, that means that something was wrong with the assignment and you must resubmit. If you don't resubmit by Monday at midnight, that one stands. Um, so please make sure that you um, look around and see if anything has a one and make sure that you resubmit that. On Tuesday and Wednesday, I will calculate your final grades, post them to Blackboard as well as Patriot Web, so you'll know immediately what your final grade is. All right, so let's get into the interteaching a little bit. Um, wanted to talk about Catania and Shimov. Um, most of you got that it, there was a conditional discrimination on the part of the pigeon. The pigeon um, learned to discriminate the classroom from the lab and therefore started pecking differently. Um, so that is uh, that was the answer to that question. Remember that I didn't say figured out or, or um, decided or anything like that because those would be more explanatory fictions because I don't know what's in that little bird brain of that pigeon. So um, only um, talk about observable, measurable, contingencies, relationships among stimuli. Um, and also something to keep in mind, some of you said, oh, they, they were sloppy or something like that. And sometimes Catania will talk that way. But the truth is that Catania is, and Shimov was, was um, a stickler for precision. So he may have exaggerated that a little. Most of you got the matching question correct. Some of you kind of were a little fuzzy on the oddity matching. That's the one where you're matching the one that's not the same. Okay, so the if you think about oddity matching, kind of like that uh, that old song, one of these things is not like the other, one of these things just doesn't belong, that's oddity matching. You know, finding the thing that's different. Um, a lot of you struggled with equivalence relations, and um, yeah, it is a tough thing to learn. So um, let's go through this again. So reflexivity is actually matching something to itself. So what you would be doing is identical matching with um, reflexivity. So for example, let's say you're matching fork to fork, okay? Then the next thing you're going to do is that you're going to have the B relation. So you're going to match the written word fork to um, an actual fork. So given the picture of the fork, you know, you match that. Do not, do not, do not reverse it, though, because you're going to test for symmetry. So you only teach one direction with all, um, you know, Harry Styles references aside. Um, you're only teaching that... Um, that one specific direction, you know, show fork, find the word, I think I said, I might have, no, I said uh, match written fork to word fork. So you only teach that match written fork to the word fork. And then you test, if you show a fork, can the individual find the word fork? 
that's you test. You don't teach that. And if you don't see that, then you can teach it. Um, then you're going to teach the A to C. And again, these are symmetry, but we're going to test for symmetry again. Uh, but we're going to teach A to C. So we're going to match the fork to a, an actual picture of the fork. So that B stimulus was the word. The C is the picture. So we teach that. And then we test for symmetry by, you know, showing a picture and saying, you know, go get it. And they go get the fork. Then you're going to test for transitivity. And this is the one that, this is the relation that you haven't taught at all. So what you're going to do is that you're going to have the person match the picture to the word and vice versa. Again, these are tests. You're not teaching those because those should emerge without teaching. So that's what equivalence is. All right, so let's talk about some complex schedules. Some of you got these, some of you didn't. Um, when you're a kid, if your mom said no and then you went to dad, that would be in a multiple schedule. Um, and I want you to think about the idea that concurrent chains and these complex schedules are all around you. That the world doesn't occur in these vacuums of simple schedules, um, like you're seeing with CyberRat, but really in a web of all kinds of complex ones. Um, and we saw that a little bit with CyberRat, where um, you know one of the schedules would then influence another one down the road, um, and that is a multiple schedule interaction. Um, but we know that our contingencies don't occur in a vacuum. They're always influencing each other. So, you know, getting to work on time triggers other contingencies that you do at work. Being late to work also can, can trigger some other contingencies. If you stop and get a coffee along the way or you pick up donuts or something like that, that's going to trigger other types of schedules of reinforcement. Even what you wear will trigger different reinforcement. So, um, you know, every behavior you have has a reinforcer and those interact with each other in complex change. So um, my boss, um, Pat Progar, used to say um, the behavioral blessing is may your chains be concurrent um, and also with a rich schedule, which basically means that you have lots of different reinforcers going on all at the same time and that um, your behavior is richly reinforced. So that brings me to the matching law. So I want to talk about an example that was given to me back in the day by the late, great Joseph Lawley. This is how he explained matching law to me. So let's say that you're going out for the night um, and there's two bars and they're both serving your favorite beer, okay? One has 16 ounce drafts for $3.99 and another has a special of 12 ounce bottles for $4.99. Let's say you're a craft beer person. Which one would you choose? All other things being equal, you would probably go for the 16 ounce draft because you get more for less. That's what matching law is. You've got two things. You've got two schedules of reinforcement going. And the one that has the richer, higher magnitude, less effort one is the one that you're gonna allocate your responding to. The one that has the leaner, more effortful, um, and um, you know lower magnitude reinforcement, you're not going to allocate your responding to that. Most of you got that logic and reasoning or verbal behavior. Um, and I want you to remember, too, that we can't really reinforce ourselves. Make sure you're looking at that Catania book, because some of you are saying, oh, we can do that. We have self-control. But really, are we really in control of most of the contingencies around us? I don't think we are. 
Um, there's a lot of reinforcement contingencies that we have absolutely no control over. And also, you know, we can fudge it. So, you know, even if we don't go to the gym, we might buy that workout gear anyway. So really the idea of self-reinforcement, um, even if you can do it, it's just still reinforcement. Um, and I, um, question whether or not we actually can do that. All right, let's talk a little bit about CyberRat. Um, one thing that I am seeing um, is that a lot of you are trying to still fit this into teaching. Um, and if you're focusing on teaching kids, you're really hamstringing yourself for this final you know, BACB exam. Because if you're not looking at how these principles are all around you, when you get to those questions, they're going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, and um, if you doubt me, you might want to take a look at the Rogue ABA Instagram page. Um, they have questions just about a couple of times a week, and a lot of them are about, you know, situations that are all around us as preps for the uh, behavior analyst certification exam. The other thing that's going to hamstring you is not being precise with terms. So I posted an infographic um, on each of the pages and uh, each of your um, sections. And the one thing that you have to know is your terms. I'm still seeing people rewarding behavior. I'm still seeing explanatory fictions. I'm still seeing, you know, um, trying to assume cognition on the part of the rat. And that is going to, you're going to end up getting questions wrong on the exam if you do that. The other thing to keep in mind is why do we want you fluent early on? And that's because, you know, let's say you have a question that's an applied question. Um, if you have to figure out what's, you know, a fixed interval schedule of reinforcement, and now you have to, you know, answer a question about that, you know, you have four minutes of question, I think we figured out, because um, I think it's a, it's a four-hour test with uh, trying to remember how many questions, but a couple of us figured out you get four minutes of question. And so if you're spending all your time on, you know, oh, no, you know, like I didn't, you know, really prepare and I'm still using reinforcer as reward. Now, what's a reinforcer again? And why? And now all of a sudden two minutes have gone by that you could have used to answer that question. So it's absolutely critical that you have these terms and that you have these terms down precisely um, because you also will have the situation too that if you don't know these terms precisely that when it gets to intervention that you use them wrong. So for example if you're still saying you're rewarding behavior and people are happy um, then you're going you might start you know more um, trying to make your clients happy than trying to reinforce appropriate behavior. Now, you know, are, you know, positive reinforcement contingencies less coercive, tend to be you know, a little less stressful? Yes. But that doesn't mean that positive means happy. And um, let's say that there's a situation where positive reinforcement is actually making the individual miserable. You're going to miss it because you're going to say, oh, well, that behavior is not being rewarded. Um, when in fact that behavior is being positively reinforced. 
So make sure that you're using these terms very, very, very specifically. I also noticed that some of you are still having some, um, some trouble with the um, interval time and differential reinforcement schedules because they're three different things, okay? Um, the interval schedules are not just the passage of time. So the time passes and the rat has to respond or the individual has to respond before that reinforcement is contacted. So if that time passes, whatever that rat or individual is doing within that interval of time does not matter. Okay, they can lay, you know, down, they can stick their head in the dipper, they can, you know, yell, they can scream. You know, if you think about kind of like an interval schedule being like a train, it really doesn't matter what you do while you're waiting for the train or if you show up 15 minutes early or 10 minutes early. What's really important is that you're there when the train pulls up because when the train pulls up, then you can get on the train. So really what happens is, is that, you know, passage of time happens and then you get to do something that's reinforcing. So what, is, what does it mean when, you know, somebody has to engage in a certain behavior, let's say, you know, sitting quietly for five minutes? That's a differential reinforcement schedule. That's different. So differential reinforcement schedule is different because a person must engage or refrain from a response for that interval. Okay, so do interval schedules, interval schedules are interval passes, response, reinforcer. Okay? Differential reinforcement is must engage or refrain from a certain behavior for a certain amount of time, then reinforcer. Time schedules are completely non-contingent. So if you're seeing contingent, um, and you did see that in CyberRat a little bit, if you're seeing that, you know, the rat presses a bar and there seems to be a bar pressing water reinforcement relationship, that means that superstitious reinforcement has occurred. Because in time schedules, this is where just the passage of time is reinforced. So for example, you know, 40 seconds goes by, it really doesn't matter if the rat presses the bar or doesn't press the bar, no big deal, water goes into that hopper, okay? So those are the differences. So interval, first response, after the passage of time, differential reinforcement, must do something for a certain amount of time, and with um, temporal schedules or time-based schedules, doesn't matter what you do, time just has to pass, okay? I talked a little bit about the critical errors, but I also want to talk about the explanatory fictions I was seeing. I saw a lot of rats' interests, rats' intent, rats' cognition, rat figured out. All of those things are explanatory fictions because I can't measure it. I can't measure a rat's interest. I can't go in there and measure it directly. Well, how do you know that the rat's interested? Because they're going to the water hopper. You know, um, the rat's interested. How do you know that? It's going to the water hopper. Why is he going to the water hopper? Because he's interested. Um, the rat is pushing the bar in order to um, get water for the, from the dipper. That doesn't work. That's teleological. Because we don't know exactly what you know, the rat's intent is. We can never know. Um, so we say that there's a relationship between bar pressing and um, water in the dipper. 
and that there's a change in responding. That we can see. But does the rat do it in order to? Mm, we don't know. Did the rat figure out there was a relationship? Still don't know. So that's an explanatory fiction, okay? So really make sure, and um, what I tell my, st my students in other courses is imagine me sitting on your shoulder going, how do you know that? How do you know that? What'd you see? How'd you know that? And then just describe those behaviors. Don't try to get into um, somebody's head because that's where um, it gets a little dangerous because you're making a lot of assumptions that may or may not be true. All right, so um, all you got is that inner teaching and your final exam. Remember, if you have anything with a one, you need to turn that stuff back in as soon as possible. And it's been a great semester. I hope you enjoyed CyberRat. And um, hopefully we'll see you at some point in 623 um, or maybe one of the other courses. Either way, keep in touch. Thanks. Have a great summer.